The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 243. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart team. Change, my dear. It seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Panelsy! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 8th Doctor Big Finish audio production story, Minuet in Hell. And joining me today on the panel is Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very good. It's just you and me. Jimmy has yep. uh, the this episode off. He's taking a little break. But uh, we'll we'll be able to manage and muddle through <laughs> just the two of us, oh, yeah. uh, folks. B- remember to follow the Secrets of Doctor Who in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app, or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Stick around to the end of the episode. We do have a little bit of listener feedback that we want to share with you. We love to get your feedback, and so we'll be sharing some of that later. Uh, but first, I want to uh, plug another show that's on the SQPN network that uh, you m- will enjoy. Uh, this is a little self-serving because this is called Raising the Bets. <laughs> it's a podcast I do with my wife, Melanie, and we talk about raising our kids. Get it, Bets, Bettinelli. Bets was a nickname that we had for, uh, when I was a kid for Bettinelli. But uh, so we talk about our kids. We talk about uh, lots of stuff that we do with the kids. We talk about uh, school, uh, homeschooling them. We talk about um, food, a lot of discussion of recipes and cooking and that sort of stuff. Uh, we talk about books and movies, and we always talk a little bit about uh, usually the the gospel readings or the or the mass readings for the week, and kind of get into what we got out of them this week. So it's it's fun and it's interesting, and you get to hear Melanie, and that's always good in my book. So check it out, raising the bets. It's at sqpn.com slash bets. That's two t's, b e t t s, or wherever you get your podcast from. All right, before we start talking about Minuet in Hell, let's talk about the new Doctor Who Season 13, Series 13, trailer, teaser mm-hmm. trailer, that dropped uh, just this past weekend. We record these shows several weeks in advance, so by the time you hear this, it's you've probably already heard about it. It's been probably a month since uh, People since have already dropped. done the slow-mo, you know, strip every little frame apart for every little detail, but we're going to give kind yeah. of our first impressions. Yeah, we, we these are quick impressions. It's a teaser trailer. It's it's less than a minute long. There isn't a lot there. But Father Corey, what's your first impression of this third season for the Thirteenth Doctor? Well, I think one thing we we talked about kind of before we started recording was you know the the fact that you know Graham was a very popular companion because he was he was the comic relief. He was kind of yeah. the, the clown. He had the one liners. He was you know he was a lot of fun. And of course, he's leaving or has left. I guess we could kind of say uh, Yaz is the only one that remains. Um, but then we have Dan, who's played by John Bishop. We're kind of hoping he's going to be the comic relief. And there's there's one scene that kind of shows that where Yaz is in kind of an 18th century or 19th century, think, you know, like the mummy type 
garb like type yep. outfit and you could see a rope where she came down and then dan just comes slamming into the ground <laughs> on his rope he didn't do yeah. very good repelling apparently <laughs> um so that's kind of a hope that he'll be kind of the comic relief now that you know we won't have two serious companions again right. but we'll have you know yaz is the more serious straight man as you put it dom uh yeah. and dan will be the 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 funnier companion right yeah i i like the the inclusion of like john bishop is a, a known as a comic actor and so i like the inclusion of someone who can be kind of fun relieve some of the tension it's not just up to the doctor act, acting wacky which is a thing that's yep. become you know ever since matt smith it's been the the idea is that the wacky the wacky doctor it's not all on the doctor to be the wacky one right. that uh, th- that Dan and Dan, I don't know I I feel like a, a, he's a could really provide a an interesting similar viewpoint as Graham did I'm cu- well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing his story why he's there well and he he's older too I mean older relatively yeah. speaking you know you you figure probably about my age about forties give or take you know he's got a little yeah. bit of gray hair and. You know, he's he's not as young as Yaz by any stretch of the imagination. Yaz or Ryan, you know, he is more like yeah. Graham, where he is a little bit older, a little more seasoned in the world, shall we say. Well, and we're Jodie Whittaker, well, I think she's probably similar age, but mm-hmm. the doctor, her doctor acts younger, yeah. you know? And so I liked having that sense of like sort of a seasoned character. I like to say seasoned. I'm, I'm well seasoned to myself. Uh, yeah. A more seasoned, <laughs> experienced character who kind of balances things out. I mean, the doctor, exactly. of course, is thousands of years old, but acts young, and and I Many so times I like she that. Is. Yeah, 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 and I like that balancing. Uh, th- there isn't a whole lot that revealed about what we can expect as far as story goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm really hoping that we don't like start the season and the timeless child is sort of forgotten. You know, like right. we 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 drop this major bomb on Doctor Who mythos mm-hmm. and when we walk away from it i really hope that we come back to that soon right away yeah well and it, it's one thing we do know is this is an eight episode season this is the shortest season basically ever, ever for doctor yeah. who um and a big part of that was covid restrictions you know they were getting ready to start filming you know back in the beginning of 2020 and then it got locked down because of the covid and it wasn't until you know last summer last fall they could actually finally get into into the studio, quote unquote, get on location, right. and start filming. So it really affected what they could do if they were going to try to get something out uh, early next year. Well, in fact, they said this, it'll be end of this year, which my guess is we're going to start with whatever the Christmas New Year episode is, right. whatever they decide to do. Probably a Christmas episode and then go from there. Because if it's they said, possible. they said, you know, later this year is when it's going to come out. So my guess is Christmas. Yeah. And then we go from there. So I hope what that means then, because it's just eight episodes, mm-hmm. that the next season isn't going to be another year and a half after that. I mean, right. you really can't sustain a show by having seasons every two, three, two years. I just I, I don't feel like that's sustainable. Well, and this is a very uh, British model, you know, that, that they don't. The idea of a show like Doctor Who running this long is extremely rare for Britain. I mean, right. there's or some any. very pop, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, especially, yeah, for any show, except for like a soap yeah. opera or something. But a lot of their shows are limited run. They're short seasons, you know, and, they, and they're not always bringing out seasons every year. Well, and we found this with the streaming model with, you know, Netflix and, and Amazon Prime and like all the, all the streaming services are now doing these shorter seasons. 
But if you're gonna if you're only gonna come out with right. eight episodes, you can't. I mean, you just I don't think you can sustain Doctor Who on eight episodes right. every two years. I just don't feel like that's a sustainable model for a well, show. And there's there's you know questions, of course, of is Jodie going to stay for one more season after this? Is this her last yeah. season? Is she just going to do the three? Is there going to be somebody, you know, will there be somebody else after her? You know, so I, I, I mean, I wonder if, if there is starting to be kind of weariness on the part of the BBC with Doctor Who, although it makes them a ton of money. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. But, you know, if there's kind of weariness with it, that maybe we might be running the risk of another hiatus soon. Yeah. Yeah. Would be unfortunate <laughs> from it a, would. from a fan perspective because there's there's still a lot of life left in the show. You just mm-hmm. need the right showrunner, the right uh, you know actor to be the doctor, and 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 you get and it's gold. It's really it's yeah. gold. I, I I feel like I'm not as pessimistic about Jodie Whittaker as the doctor as some. I've had mm-hmm. my criticisms. I've had criticisms of oh, yeah. you know valid criticisms of all the different doctors, and but also praise. And there's things I like about. The, the the current run with Jodie Whittaker, uh, the production values are superb Amazing. through the yeah. roof. Uh, the, the TARDIS design, we've made our feelings known about that. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, and I feel like there's been some really nice moments with mm-hmm. some of the characters, and we've talked about all of that. So yeah. I think there's yeah. still a lot of life left, and I would like to see, you know, if Jodie moves on, you know, three years, three seasons seems to be about the norm in, in modern Who. Yeah. I feel like if she moves on, there could be some really interesting people who could come in and take over. And frankly, maybe Chris Chibnall is kind of interested in moving on to something new. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I've, I've said it before. I'm not a fan of Chris Chibnall's showrunner, at least not what, we, yeah. what we've seen so far. And and we, yeah. we've criticized some of his stories already. If you go back and listen to some of our past yeah. episodes, so <laughs> I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings and you see him move on to find someone else who maybe does a better job. Right. <laughs> Right, someone who's more interested in kind of sticking with, you know, uh, honoring more, more. Let's see, how do we put it? Honoring the, uh, the, the, the whole entire Doctor Who canon a little mm-hmm. more closely <laughs> instead of just Richard T. Davies era. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. All right, so that's so the anyways. the our our discussion of the trailer. We can move on to our discussion of uh, the uh, this eight Doctor story called Minuet in Hell, and just as a reminder. Uh, Paul McGann plays the Eighth Doctor. He was in one uh, movie in the mid-90s that aired on Fox and then moved on to doing all these Big Finish audio productions. Uh, If you go to BigFinish.com, you can find them all there. We'll have links on our website to the Big Finish audio play uh, that we're discussing today. And uh, it features him and his companion, Charlie, who is a young woman he picked up in the 30s. the The 30s, yeah. Uh, and who's been traveling with them through several adventures. And this particular story came out in 2001. So these are these stories about are 20 years old as we're discussing mm-hmm. it now, which is kind of interesting to think about uh, and predate the return of Doctor Who to the airwaves. Correct. So uh, I usually ask Jimmy for a recap of Father Corey. I'm going to ask you for your recap of this well, story. I think we got some for you here. Uh, the Doctor and Charlie have to return Ramsey the Vortisaur to the Time Vortex. In the process, the TARDIS crash lands in the generically southern U.S. newly created 51st state of Malabogia. They wake up to find they've been separated and have lost their memories. The Doctor is in the Brigham Elisha Dashwood Laboratory of Alternative Mentalities, while Charlie is in the Pretty Little Satin Bottoms Dormitory for the Hellfire Club. 
The doctor meets Gideon Crane, a journalist for the London Torch who, pro- who claims him to himself be the actual doctor with all his memories. And Charlie befriends Becky Lee Kowalsik, a demon hunter from the ancient order of St. Peter. Meanwhile, Brigham Elisha Dashwood III is living a split life as a televangelist running for governor of the newly created state and as the leader of the Hellfire Club, seeking to bring Lucifer and all his demons into our world. His partner in crime and love, Dr. Dale Pargeter, has developed a machine to empty people's minds and store their psionic matrix on quantum CD-ROMs, which, by the way, sounds really much cooler than DVDs. (laughs) Senator Walter Pickering, who lost his seat in the creation of the new state and is the grandfather of Becky Lee, has his mind emptied and stored on CD while a demon, Marcosius, takes over his body. With all this going on, who would show up? None other than Brigadier retired Alastair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart, of course. He was involved in the establishment of the Scotland Parliament as a member of the Succession Party. So his cover is as an advisor to help establish the state of Malabogia. He is also there to investigate the real story behind Dashwood, his laboratory, and the Hellfire Club. Eventually, Charlie regains her memories and works with Becky Lee and the Brigadier to find the Doctor and fight Dashwood and the demons. The Doctor's brainwaves are scattered among a number of catatonic patients and later reconstituted back in his own mind. Crane uses the Doctor's memories to restore everyone's psionic patterns to their original owners, including chasing Marcosius out of Pickering's mind. The demons turn out to be cyanivores, non-corporeal parasites, who feed off people's negative vibes. Dashwood is killed when firing his Trans-D transportation gun near the psionic machine, sucking him, Marcosius, and the psionic machine into the cyanivore's realm. <laughs> it got really trippy there at the end. It did. <laughs> I do like that the fact that the uh, the institution is called uh, Institution for uh, Laboratory for Alternative Mentality. Mentalities, yeah. <laughs> so let's first talk about the, the big guest in this, Nicholas Courtney returning as a brigadier. This is a couple weeks in a row almost that we've had Nicholas yeah. Courtney show up uh, in, in a, in, two, in outside cl- of his usual time. Yeah. Two classic. Two classic Who episodes, if you want to count this as a classic Who episode. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I love having Nicholas Courtney. I love the 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 the, uh, the Brigadier show up all the time, uh, and he's just as great in this one. He had previously been the Brigadier in a big finished production the, that was released the previous year. It was a Six Doctor story called "The Spectre of Lanyon Moore," uh, mm. and that was so. This is his second big finished story. I'm not sure how many he's done, but uh, but he, he just is so great. Um, you so, know, they, they, at least for yeah. it, it's said that the Brigadier worked with every single actor who played the Doctor, at least in classic Who, right? Because you know, because the specials, yeah. and of course, you know, the third and fourth Doctors, he was you know real important, and then you know on from there, showing up every once in a while, right? But except for the first and second, right? Well, he well he was on the the uh, the three Doctor special, and the first oh, and second Doctors were both in right. That. That's one I haven't seen yet. Okay. And, and he was with the, the, the actual character of Lethbridge Stewart, although he wasn't a brigadier. I think he was a colonel. Uh, did, have, did first appear under uh, the second Doctor's time. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. And I, so I think is there is my... a big... Yeah, yeah. And I think there is a big finish uh, with... Uh, with the first Doctor. With the sixth Doctor. The sixth Doctor. Yes, that's the one I was just talking about, was the, the, the sixth Doctor story he did called The Spectre of Lanyon Moore. Okay. So that was yep. the, and that was up before this one. So awesome. That is cool. So um it's this this story is set in the United States in uh mm-hmm. the future from the 2001 perspective it was released it was set in 2003 apparently. Oh. Um 
in in the undefined South, where for some reason the United States has decided to form another state. We never had given an explanation of why. Well, and you know, this is this is actually something that's fairly contemporary here in the United States. You know, for those who don't know, there are yeah movements that are starting to gain steam in some areas, especially in the West. Here in the West. Yeah. To start, you know, maybe changing up our state borders or establishing new states. And there have been for years. I mean, there have been for yeah, there's always been decades. These, these but it's, it's starting yeah. to get a little more movement where there's actually people, uh, you know, being voting on counties that are actually voting on. Yeah. Counties in Oregon one. that want to join Idaho yep. and, and parts of Northern and, California going, we want to be there, too. Yeah. Uh, and and, not, and not, not getting into the politics, just, just yeah. the fact of that's what's going on right now. So it's actually kind of contemporary. And I, I laugh. I laugh, of course, about this being uh, from the South because. I can hear our good friend Jimmy Aiken right now <laughs> I'm screaming about the accents on this one. Well, let's talk uh, first. The, di- the, the dialogue itself in the script, is, is especially in, in the mouths of the American characters, is so stilted sometimes. Yeah. It's it, like, so badly, either badly written or badly delivered. I'm not sure which one it is. but I it think it's feels a combination so of both. They tried to do some stereotypical Southern phrases, like Pickering, you know, uh, Senator Pickering, I mean, if you've seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou, the governor on that, that's yes. the same character. He sounds like Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I guarantee, or like Foghorn Leghorn, I yeah, guarantee that there is a, a, there, a Southern there, governor. There's very much a lot of, you know, stereotypical accents. You know, a Dashwood is kind of a more proper Virginia accent. And, right. you know, and uh, of course, you know, Pickering's got kind of the deep South politician accents and yeah uh there's there Bombastic, are stereotypes yeah. of you know bible thumping and um you know it's just it's very yeah yeah it, it, it's 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 not a good look for trying right. to pretend that this is in the south you know and i and in kind of my mind's eye just listening to the accent i'm thinking okay this is this would be somewhere like kentucky you know yeah that, kind of yeah, mid-south type of place kentucky tennessee mississippi arkansas that sort of deep south yeah uh, that's what I was thinking when it with it, and uh, the the film for me that they're calling Malaboja, which mm-hmm. like, do you have any idea what they were going for with that? Like, Mala is Latin for evil, right? And that's probably, I mean, that's probably the big part of it. Uh, I'm just trying to think of you know what I don't know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm unfortunately sure. this is my and this is this is where I admit my my ignorance when it comes to Latin because it probably yeah. is a Latin <laughs> phrase, but uh, but what the Malabogia. Because I mean, with Bolgia, I could, all I could think it was like Georgia, right? But right. that doesn't mean anything. So yeah. So and then we have the old trope of the American televangelist who is really a hypocrite, um, yep. who who is also has to be a Southerner, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this one happens to be a secret Satanist who runs an organization of the rich and powerful who are all Satan worshippers, right? Which is just kind of I don't know a tr- a, a, a tired trope. I, I'm sorry, but. It plays off of like, all these popular conspiracy theories that in order to become rich and powerful, you, you can't yes, have sir. earned it. You can't have worked your way to it or your parents earned it. You ha- must have sold your soul in order to become right. rich and powerful. Well, what's, what's interesting is, you know, they use the, the Hellfire Club, which is a historical thing from England. It is uh-huh. you know, from Britain, Britain and Ireland, um, where it was it, 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 they were accused uh, back in the 1700s, 1800s. They, most of them existed. And they were accused of being, you know, pagan worshippers and devil worshippers and things like that. And really, they were actually, basically, they wanted to party and do things that were considered socially unacceptable, you know, right. so lewd acts and things like that. You know, and you kind of see a little bit of that in the story 
where at one point somebody goes, you know, one of the patrons goes to whip Charlie by ripping, you know, the back of her shirt open and gets right. ready to whip her. Well, okay, let's talk a little. This was the a very creepy part of the story and made it mm-hmm. un non family friendly. This is yeah, oh yeah, a family very much a, so, very much family unfriendly episode. And I was and I was kind of unhappy about it, especially since you know this is a Nicholas Courtney return. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to enjoy it and this part of it. So Charlie, as you mentioned, is in this, uh, I don't know, the happy bottom part of the Hellfire Club. The The, pretty little satin bottoms. I kind of got a kick out of that name, but. (laughs) Right, yeah. It's creepy. They're they're basically a bunch of women who are enslaved and subject to forced prostitution in the Hellfire Club. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm like, Doctor Who? Like, this is, how? And then they have other things. I don't even want to talk about them, but they refer to certain kinds of acts that, that that are done. And it's like. I I don't I mean I don't know how do you feel about it? I felt like it was like I wished it hadn't been in there. I think you could have had this story would have been perfectly fine without if you had excised that part of it. It just wasn't necessary. Yeah, it's I it was I kind of I agree with you that they definitely took it to the point of non-family friendly. Um I I think it did show kind of the depravity of the whole thing. I mean that, it did. that that's a big thing. You know, but did they have to go quite in the detail of, you know, uh you know, making explicit that that the the shirt had been ripped or whatever. It's like no, they didn't have to go into all that. But right, um, you know that. I mean, there's one point where yeah, it's just it. There's some very explicit sound effects, some very explicit acts that are described. Right. You know, I, I think you could have left that little part off. I mean, the the, the idea of the Hellfire yeah. Club and making it clear that this is a place where people go to do depraved acts. I think that could have been told a much different way. A lot of the right. stuff, you know, once you actually got to the point where. Dashwood is, you know, pontificating up there. That's sure. that's a whole nother story. I mean, that that that's that. I had no problem with all that. It's just this one scene, right, where Charlie li- first comes into it as yeah. you know, as, as as slave labor, basically. Yeah, is is a little bit different. Yeah, and I'm not wasn't too happy about uh, yeah, that. Yeah, it made me uncomfortable. So she encounters. You mentioned this Becky Lee, who is also there, and it turns out she's a demon hunter from a family of demon hunters of the Order of Saint Peter, which I think yeah. is funny. The, uh, the ancient order of St. Peter from Poland, which is like, cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. So apparently they were found. She's, she gives, gives some exposition. They were founded in the 16th century to deal with supernatural evil in Eastern Europe, vampires mostly. Uh, the last recorded incident with a vampire was in Poland in 1976. The order chased it to the U.S. And then one of the priests who chased it and killed it started the American chapter. And, that, and that's where she's descended from the original members of the American chapter. Uh, right. So, she's basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, except Catholic. I, I, except Catholic, right? But well, ca- I mean, heck, when when you've got a demon possession problem, who do you call? You call a Catholic priest. I mean, oh, that's of course, just, of I mean, course, you're, you're not calling anybody else. <laughs> and, 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 and and for the record, there is no ancient order of Saint Peter. At least, nothing officially. No, no there isn't. Um, I wish there I, was. It's, it's going back to the accents, I, I was amused by the fact that Becky claims to be from Los Angeles and has a very nasally New York accent, which is like... <laughs> well, then, then she slips into kind of a Southern accent when she's talking to her grandfather, the senator. Yeah. I wonder if that's maybe, I guess, supposed to be a clue that she's, put, she's, got a, she's using a legend, she's using a, uh, an alias or something. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, it was at the time when she first did it, I'm like, that is not a Los Angeles, California accent. Uh, well, and, and and to be fair, you know those those who come from other parts, you know, that have a very strong accent and they move elsewhere, they you know they tend to lose that until 
they get back. Right. That's right. That's right. I, I, I'm curious. I, I, I'm not sure whether the uh, any of these actors who had the American accents were are in fact uh, themselves British. But I have to say, in general, British actors who appear in American productions as Americans do much better with their accents than, in general, Americans who try to do British accents in anything. <laughs> yeah, then then we got Perry trying to be an American, even well, though she yeah, wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> she is the exception to that. To that I know. That's no, for that, sure. That's true. I mean, if, if you watch uh, Grey's Anatomy, if I remember correctly, I only watched like an episode or two, but if I remember right, uh, Alex Kingman, who played, of course, yeah. River Song, she played with an American accent and did pretty right. well. I mean, I've seen a lot of... Like, trying to think there there a lot of these different um uh, british actors who show up in american productions you know who you know or, or as american characters who do a great job it's kind of mm-hmm. funny to just to see that um exactly. benedict cumberbatch not so good in the uh what was it not the departed uh was it was it the departed or black mass i forget what it was but one of those boston ones where he had to put in a boston accent benedict cumberbatch nope. is the worst <laughs> boston accent ever anyway that's 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 something else so um yeah, so we've got the brigadier here. He's undercover, yep. uh, although he's using his own name, but he's ca- undercover sort of as, it's kind of funny, like, why would you get some guy from Scotland to come and help you set up your new American state? Like, we, would we not be capable of doing this on our own? You know, I, I, <laughs> well, it, it, com- it comes out uh, that actually the, the, the brigadier's handlers, quote unquote, in, uh, over in England are actually part of, they're yeah. part of this, this thing. So that's, that's why he. You know, because he's got, you can hear him with the, the dial-up modem, uh, dialing yeah. in and, and doing his, you know, his email reports. And um, he, he, you know, he keeps getting kind of put off, you know, I need to go investigate. Oh, no, just keep on the track, keep on your, your main target, keep on your, your main source. By, by the way, I, lo- I love his email address, topdog at greyhoundrace.org, also known as Greyhound1. <laughs> exactly exactly so that's the email version of greyhound one yeah trap tra- <laughs> uh, tra- what was it trap something what was the uh the, the countersign was trap trap oh, one yeah. to greyhound one or something like yeah. that yeah yeah uh, he and trap was in the email he was sending to or something it was a, yep. yeah it was it was i did notice that it was great uh and it, well, I like he, it was be- like greyhoundrace.co.uk oh yeah. wrong one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that he did it fixes the email address that that was really great uh he does at different points, seems to recognize the doctor because, of course, he's never seen the eighth doctor, so Correct. he won't recognize him face to face. And he seems they seem to recognize each other a little bit, you because yep. the the doctor, we should say, you know, he is he has it's like his mind has been emptied of his memories and yep. is struggling to, but they're there and he's struggling to get to to catch them to get them back together again. And so at times there's these flashes of recognition or understanding. Mm-hmm. that then go away. And it's kind of funny because for most of this story, the doctor is really not part of the solution to anything. Right. He's just kind right. of there. A lot of, a lot of his memories have gone over to Gideon crane, this journalist who it turns out the TARDIS basically crash landed into. Yeah. And somehow in <laughs> the TARDIS, you know, through, you know, all these explanations of whatever, whatever TARDIS thing breaks and causes the two to unite. His right. memory, doctor's memories are shifted over to Gideon crane. So Gideon Crane really thinks he is the doctor and starts acting as the doctor, including working with the Brigadier as right. the doctor. That's right. That's right. And the Brigadier, like, he knows that the doctor's face changes, so he just assumes this like, must okay. be the doctor's new face. But yeah, you're, you're right, though. There is that point when the Brigadier does first meet the doctor, the eighth doctor, 
And the eighth doctor's mind scrambled, and he's like, "I know you. We we've been friends." And the reader's like, "There's some, you know, you, you could see he says something like, yeah. there's 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 something familiar about you. I just I right. can't put my finger on it, you know." Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so the the Dashwood Institute for the Alternative Mentalities has this device, <laughs> this crazy Doctor Who device, where yeah. it they they'll enter your brain that allows mm-hmm. them to do surgery on your brain, and then they'll put your memories and personality back in your brain. So they don't get damaged in the surgery, which is not at all how brains work. But no, that's okay. not at all. <laughs> not like that's not how it works. I mean, that wouldn't even work with a computer. We're going to take the data <laughs> off the hard drive and then put it back. If you if you break the hard drive, it's still broken. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but that it's the it's it's this mechanism. I'm not sure. I guess the idea was is that they were from Dashwood's plan was to take the the memories and personality of various important people store them on the quantum CDs so that he could consult them later, but install the quote-unquote demons, demons, cyanovores, in those bodies so that they can run things. Exactly, exactly. Okay. You know, this, this was, you know, the devils are going to take over the world. And, of course, you know, I even wrote down, oh, this is another demons are actually interdimensional aliens story. Right. Because, and if Jimmy were here, we would say, because it's always demons. It's always demons, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But so, yeah, it, 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 that, that's exactly it. You know, the demons were going to take over. Of course, and of course, you know, it's pretty clear they're using Dashwood to get their way, which is to take on bodies because they're just energy. They're in, in non-corporeal. They don't have bodies, so they want right. the human bodies to take over. Right, right. That's right. So, and then there's um, one of the demons, this Marcosius, who uh, Dashwood installs into Pickering's body, mm-hmm. is... It's acting against Dashwood. He's actually not on Dashwood's side. Right. He's he's secretly undermining him because what the Cyanovores are really interested in is just conflict. Yeah. Which is kind of like, you know, social media in the 2020 where oh. we have the uh, the the trolls online oh, who yeah. are just they're not for one side or the other. They just want to create conflict yeah. <laughs> among the sides. I'm like, huh. This is kind of interestingly predictive of our times. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's like every time the media freaks out because of a 4chan meme, it's like you don't get it. They're sitting there <laughs> loving you getting upset about it. They're you're feeding the you're, trolls. They're trolling you. Or, you know, the the hackers in uh Moldavia or uh where were they? Not Moldavia. What was the other M Balkan um from the 2016 election, they found that a lot of the fake uh Tweets and all that sort of stuff was coming from Macedonia, yeah, okay. and like some of the Balkans, and they think that it is all you know contemporary politics. I don't want to get into that, but it was they think it was a false flag operation from the Russians who were just trying to sow dissent in America exactly. and make, make us all, uh, which and, worked you know, just fine. But anyway, yeah, it works just fine. Good, <laughs> good job. Do it again. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's really cyanovores who are who are doing it behind, exactly. the, behind the scenes. But yeah, he, he, he you know. Um, he, the the demon mentions um Marcosius mentioned that um while they will eat meat what they really want is the emotions they want the hatred they want the fear they want the anger they want the you know right. th- they feed on that and the more the more they get the more you know like one point he says like I'm stuffed I'm just you know I'm just filling up <laughs> right. getting fat you know it's the hate buffet yeah. <laughs> So at one point, the doctor and the brigadier run into each other and then get chased by the demons. And the brigadier makes a mention about, uh, this isn't the first time I've been chased by demons. 
Yep. I assume that's a story that I haven't seen yet. Or, or yeah, is you it, have. You just oh, saw it not that long ago. That's the demons, right. Now that doctor. I said that, I just literally thought of that. Which <laughs> which episode was that again? Uh, that was the. Um, that was only a couple, uh, couple of months ago. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, it was on uh, this cycle of this cycle of uh, of uh, old of classic. It was, who. A, it was a third Doctor story, and it was I'm vamping while I bring it up because I'm trying to remember the name. And it was with the master and the master pretending to be the country vicar. And well, yeah, well, the name was the Damons. The Damons, right? Yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Brain not so good. I must have been so sucked you, you out with the side machine. You could go back about two months and you'll find this that story basically. Yeah, the demons. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot. Yes, that, that it's not the first time we've been chased by demons, and yes, that is that is what happened. Um, all right, thank you for pointing out my faulty memory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no worries. I, I'm the same way, so I understand. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I kept I noticed is that how composed Charlie stays through various crazy things. Of mm-hmm. all the of all the different uh, um, companions that we've seen in you know in live action or in the audio, she really for a young woman she stays like a, a de- literal demon busts down the door and comes in after her and she's like, uh, "How dare you come in here like this? I'm you know I'm, yeah. I'm this is a lady's you know changing room or whatever. It's like there's a literal demon who just busted down your yeah. door. Uh, I just like I, I like Charlie. I just kind of I've really come to have an affinity for this this character. Uh, well, she she's very much uh, in the mold of the you know, the 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 action or not action, but the adventure adventures woman. You know who goes out yes. and has adventures and and definitely fits that that mold of that. You know where the, the only time she gets shook in this a little bit is when uh, she's basically dressed up to become the queen of of she think you know Dashwood thinks her his queen, but. Queen yeah. of the demons or whatever, and he does his little transmat thingy gun, and the demons say we can't take her because she's already dead. And of course, we know right. why that because she's she's a temporal paradox. We've yes. talked about that before. That when when the doctor pulled her out of the blimp, he created a or a zeppelin. He created a temporal paradox with right. her as the center of it. She was supposed to die in the crash of the uh, R one. I think it's R one. R one hundred one. Our 101 blimp. And right, he pulled her out of that. And so she's supposed to be dead. And so. But she doesn't know that. And the doctor has been putting it off. And even at the end of this, he says, So what do they mean by that, doctor? Oh, let's go to this, you know, beautiful galaxy or what, you know, beautiful nebula (laughs) where he can sit and watch the stars completely derails the conversation. Yes, yes. Uh, It is, it is, it is interesting. And I'm, I'm kind of you know looking forward to how that resolves because it reminds me a lot of the clara situation when mm-hmm. clara departs from the tardis she's she's in between mo- you know in between moments of life yep. and death that's she's been extracted from it and in, in in which case are the are you really dead then because we're all a heartbeat away from you know death right. in a sense if if you look at it in that in that point of view so it's kind of interesting to, to that they've that Moffat revived this idea of the companion who yeah. is dead but not dead. And this, and this, obviously with Clara, it's a little bit different. It, it's she's locked in a specific moment in time. She still has the ability to move and do all that and talk and you know, you know, have live her life. Right. But she's stuck in that moment right before she died. Right. Right. I wonder. I mean, it probably doesn't bear a lot of thinking about, but how it's different. Like, because any any companion, like Jamie, going mm-hmm. into the future was also dead in the future. 
So how is that different? Right. But it's because it's a paradox because the future in the future it had been like there's a fixed moment that in time that she's dead really. Right. Although fixed moment in time isn't a thing that had been invented yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's she's kind of in an in between state, and that's that's why uh, when. So of course I put the whole thing with with Ramsey the Vortisaur at the beginning because that started this whole story off, but it, we right. see it in flashback. We hear it in flashback, and that's why Ramsey started acting up is because she was you know she's got that 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 uh, temporal issue going on with her that right. paradox going on with her, and that's why they had to get Ramsey out of the TARDIS and back back home in the vortex. Right, right, yeah, because he's a he's the Vortisaurs are time creatures. Yep, uh, and, and, and they feed yeah, on would... they feed on temporal energy, and of course, you know, a paradox will have lots of temporal energy. Yes, right, as right, will right. the Doctor, of course. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then so I think we talked about that uh, the the Dashwoods dimensional interface to Hell, which wasn't really Hell, but it's yep. just the the realm where the Cyanovores come from. Um, they we didn't really talk about Doctor Part Pargeter. Pargeter, yep. Yeah, who was Dashwood's love interest slash co-conspirator who ran the the institute where they were, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, putting these people. I don't think there's much to say about her that we haven't already said. I'm just trying to think if there's anything to say yeah, about she, her. Yeah, well, I mean, she, of course, like, she was the one who built the machine under the influence of the Scion of Ors. She was the the mistress, if you will, the the the, the mast, the, the, how the, I can't remember exactly how. How they put it, but basically the head of the 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 dormitory where the girls were at, right. she was in charge of that, and then she was used as the love interest by Dashwood so that he could get his plans put in place. Right, he was he was manipulating her. She ends up dying, I think. Like Becky yeah. Lee ends up sort of turning her fears against her for the sake you know to to for Marcosius to feed on her. Well, so what, what happened was basically Becky Lee was trying to use her, her chant to St. Peter against Marcosius, and he was able to turn that energy, if you will, against uh, Dr. Parter instead. Oh, okay. And then she dies from that. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, it was, or at least yeah. that's what Marcosius said happened, whether or not he actually right. did is another I, story. Because, of course, I, he's, try, he's yeah. trying to torture Becky Lee in the process of all this, too. I have to be honest, I found the last act of this story to be a bit confusing. Like it was a bit rushed yeah. around and lots of things happening and jumping from here to there and without a visual it was a little hard to 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 keep track of everything that was going on. But well it wasn't uh, even until like the fourth part that the doctor finally gets restored. Right. Right. I mean, so he's he's like the the third part ends or part of the third part ends with uh, the doctor being split. Yes, and then if the, the fragments coming back together, I mean, the one thing he does do is he gets Dashwood to unknowingly confess his entire plan to to monologue. Yep. Uh, on uh, secretly on live television, live national television. Yep. Uh, and and that undermines every you know his everything he was trying to do uh, because because the brigadier had a heart problem. Right. That just happened to hit the button to turn the feed to live in the yes. studio instead of a, a choir. Right. That's right. So uh so that, that that's one thing that the doctor does do in this. But uh you know, he's it, it's everyone kind of it plays their role. I mean the Brigadier, Charlie, mm -hmm. Becky Lee, you know, everybody plays a role in bringing the, the resolution to this, which is interesting 
ensemble way of doing things is that that feels more like classic who than than modern yeah. who that's for sure yeah it, well it definitely does of course you had you know two companions because of course the brigadier is technically a companion he has traveled yep. in the tardis several times that's right and then and then becky lee who kind of plays that same kind of role yes she's a sort of temporary companion light yep so anything left to say anything you uh wanted to say about this episode yeah it was interesting no i, I enjoyed this other than the, the southern aspect uh, i got a kick out of the uh they did you know bring in some you know that that the bible and of course they did it they purposely did it to make dashwood look bad right you know where like he uh he mentioned uh how david had a companion bildad the shuhite which even i, I think was even the brigadier or who, whoever it was that says like, no yeah. really that was job that wasn't <laughs> david david's was a be- yeah it was uh, the, the brigadier even says it it was abishag the shuhamite was david's companion you know, right. things like that. You know, he quotes from Ecclesiastes, there's a time, and it's it's the exact quote from the King James Bible. Everything, there's a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, time to be born, time to die, plant to, time to plant, and a time to pluck up that, that which is planted. You know, right. and they, you know, stuff like that. So, but again, that was all a part of the, you know, really, look at all these Southerners that are a bunch of Bible-thumping Bible hypocrites. Yeah, that, that is unfortunate, yeah. Other than that, I, I really enjoyed this. I got a kick out of the... Uh, the one line, one marshmallow short of Count Chocula. <laughs> that was great. That is a good line. That is a good line. All right. Yeah. I, I agree. There, there was things I like about it. I loved the Nicholas Courtney's return. And some of the, yeah, there were some good fun lines in there. But yeah, the, the same things we talked about that uh, I, I thought could have been, could have been better. And, uh, and, and so I, I give this a middling grade. Not as good as the other Eighth Doctor stories we've already done. All right. So I think from there we should go to our listener feedback. Yeah. We have just a little feedback from a YouTube on our recent discussion of dinosaurs on a spaceship. Which uh, I was this... so glad I missed. <laughs> yes. And uh, this comment comes from The Dad Abides on our YouTube channel. It says, uh, I anx- anxiously await this show each week. I love Jimmy, Dom, and Father. This particular episode of Doctor Who? Not so much. Better to listen to this podcast than to watch this dud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you, the databides. <laughs> we, we, we've said it before, and a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people do agree, those are usually our most fun episodes to listen to. They're yes. definitely not the most fun to record. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we don't want to have to watch that episode either. <laughs> uh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, that was, uh, I didn't... If I'm ranking my least favorite episodes, I still think Moon Egg is a dumber mm. premise. Yeah. I, I st- you know what? At this point, I have no idea what it's actually called, but I just call it Moon Egg now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, uh, but this one, yeah, as a dumb premise, this one had a lot of dumb uh, bits to it. Uh, but stuff to like. I, I, I mean, again, I liked uh, uh, Brian, uh, Roy's dad. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you, The Dad Abides. And, and again, we love to get comments from our listeners. So. Uh, please share them. Uh, and, uh, well, let's wrap things up. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Veronica T., Maureen, Suzanne S., Adam S., and Dan W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of Minuet in Hell? Give it a listen and let us know. 
You can comment on the show at sqpn.com or at the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, The Muppets Take Manhattan. I'm sorry. The <laughs> Angels Take Manhattan. You know they did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, when you die, you're so crooked, they'll have to screw you into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this is going to be fun.